Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, we have both, uh, all all hosts, all hosts here today. It's me, Tim Cato, a staff writer with uh, with The Athletic covering the Mavericks. It's Dave Dufour. It's Mo DeKeel. It's all of us. How are you guys? Do- doing great, man. How about yourself? I am uh, a little bit sick, but I'm, I'm powering through. This is my flu game. I don't think I have the flu, but this is my flu game. And um, we call that a I'm, sniffle uh, game. Very... It's a sniffle game. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of mute on, mute off to uh, so it's the cough mic, but uh, but with, with, with sniffles. Yeah, no, it, what's, what's funny about it, though, is I don't know if Dave's been sick. Sasha, our producer, knows I was sick from like November and December. So I know all about it, man. We're here to help you, Tim. We're going to take care of you. We're going we're gonna to get this party rolling. The three of us together, the three musketeers, let's roll. For the first time since, uh, since the trailer. Yeah. Wow. This is like, this is like uh, the Avengers finally getting together. People have been anticipating this. When, the, when did the trailer drop? Two weeks ago? I have no idea. For two whole weeks. They've been waiting. December sometime, yeah. They've been waiting. We, we've had... We've had our various spinoffs, but finally the whole cast is together. the The budget has been increased to uh, to what nine digits? That's right. There is a there is a there is a one hundred million dollar budget behind this podcast. Absolutely, and and we're just hoping to bring back more than cats. That's and by cats I mean Fred cats. Oh boy. This podcast has gone off the rails very <laughs> quickly <laughs> with the three of us. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to have all three of us on again. <laughs> So, Sasha is for sure who who is running the show is for sure going to be like this is never happening again. We we are just not going to have the three of them together. Well, I can't tell you guys that we are going to be talking about the Mavericks' crunch time offense or lack thereof, since they seem unable to score even a point. It seems like in the final five minutes, and uh, then we'll get a little bit into the the Kristaps Porzingis injury, which. Last night, you know, the, the Mavericks have won three straight, you know, so things are, you know, relatively good in Mavs land once again, um, except for Porzingis, who was a late scratch after, you know, talking to media uh, Tuesday night after the Warriors game. You know, he all but said, oh, yeah, I'm playing. Don't worry about me. And then Wednesday, once again, he was a late scratch. So we'll get into that. But but first, I want to talk about how this uh, this crunch time offense and, and how the Mavericks have really, really broken down. In the past, in the, in the last five minutes of games, consistently, you know, all season really, and it's it's really bit them in the ass uh, these these past few weeks. What have you guys seen? As like like I'm I'm up close and personal with with this crunch time office offense. I have some thoughts, but you know, I'd love a slightly more outsider perspective as as uh, and get you guys an, an analysts' opinions here. I mean, for for me, I, I think it's just one of these instances where you need another guy. Right. Teams know they can load up on on Luca and it makes it makes the offense, you know, get a little gummed up. I mean, we've seen this with Houston in the past, you know, these heliocentric offenses. Shout out to Seth Part now for that one, uh, where you've got one guy who who dominates the not even dominates the ball, but dominates possessions the way that Doncic does. I, I think that you just have to have other guys that can create uh, secondary, tertiary creators, and they just don't really have those guys. I, I mean, plain, pretty plain and simple to me, especially for for a coach like Carlisle, who wants guys that 
you know, they're going to go out and make plays rather than, okay, we got to run this set right now. Dave, Dave, but, but why does that work? You know, if this is the best offense in, in league history for, you know, it is overall, yeah. you know, when, when you look at their entire body of work and, and then all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, what, what is specifically about, is it about the, the players loading up, you know, the, or the, the defense is loading up on Luca that, that makes it work in the last five minutes that, that isn't, you know, I have some theories here, but, but I, I want to, well, hear I, what you say NBA here. defense tightens down in crunch time. You, you're not going to get as many foul calls. You know, referees are, are hesitant to blow the whistle. So you, you don't get some of the easy buckets that you might get the other 45 minutes of the game. I mean, it's like, again, we, we've seen this happen similarly with Houston. Uh, and Mo, you know, who, who sees more Rockets games than I do, can probably back that up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's everything like that. In the, in the last five minutes of games, the game's officiated differently. It's a whole different deal. Um, you know, everything that Dave said was correct in the sense of it just kind of gets looser, you're more contact and things like that. Like it would be an interesting analysis to see how many times Luca's getting to the line in those instances versus the rest of that game and see how much that comes down. I don't I obviously don't know the numbers, but also yeah, defenses get tougher. They lock in a little tighter. Here's the other thing, less bad players on the court for the defense. You know, the, the other team is putting their best defenders on the court. You know, in that game against Denver, you know, Malone's going offense, defense whenever he could. He's taking Jokic off. He's taking Murray off the court and he's putting in Plumlee. He's putting in uh, Beasley, I think, or, or Barton or whoever. You know, it's, it's so now they're putting their five best defenders now to go against, you know, the Mavs and Luka and things like that. So, you know, it's just kind of a combination of the game sort of changes in those last few minutes in real type basketball and, and, that's where it, it it tends to show, and that's where their second ball handler becomes a, more important and a bigger priority. Like, you know, the Mavs like to run some things where they're able to get Luca off the ball to get it back to him later, or or post him up to allow him to create other stuff. You need a guy that's able to make those passes and stuff. And you know, as good as Jalen Brunson has been this season, as good as Seth Curry has been this season, those guys don't strike the fear in terms of a second ball handler, or when they double Luka and get the ball out of his hands, when you kick it out to them, they're okay with that. You know, the defenses will will live with that versus, you know, if they had a real dynamite, you know, second ball handler coming at them afterwards, then it becomes more of an issue. Well, you know what, I, guys, I'm, I'm not to interrupt, but I, I'm just re-watching that final possession uh, from, from the Mavericks-Denver game, just because it's the freshest one on my mind, and it happens to be in Tim's article that's over on The Athletic about the crunch time offense uh, that, that listeners can go read. But, you know, you, you watch right here. The most dangerous guy on an inbound pass is who, Tim? The inbounder. That's right. And so Tim Hardaway, his first option's not available. First option's Luka Doncic. So he hits Maxi Kleber. Well, then he just stops. He just pops right inside inbounds and stops where he could have actually made a really good hard cut to the basket and possibly had a layup. And it's just little stuff like that, you know, where it's just missing those kind of opportunities and it, and it stacks up because now all of a sudden you've got the double being sent to Luca. Once he gets the ball, you've got, you know, the defense, like, like Mo just said, you've got their best defenders out there. Everybody's looking to make a play. And then, you know, you force these guys into tough passes. And, you know, this is, again, this is why you need more than one guy, typically, to, to have 
success and, and by success i mean like conference finals finals run type success i mean we've seen one guy be okay but you really need another star and, and so the funny thing is that I think on paper, you would have looked at this roster, you would have looked at this team before the season started, and you would have said that one of their strengths is that they have multiple ball, hand, ball handlers, that they do have playmakers, that they have, you know, you know, outside of Luka, they have Seth Curry, Jalen Brunson, DeLon Wright, uh, you know, even kind of Tim Hardaway Jr., J.J. Barea as a bench option. I, I think it would have been reasonable, and it is reasonable to look at this team and say they do have a lot of secondary playmakers, but as the season has gone on, we've seen, you know, limitations and weaknesses with each player. Um, DeLon Wright has this obnoxious, annoying habit of just picking up his dribble for no reason at all and, and kind of getting stuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, he actually hasn't been that good this year, to be honest. Uh, definitely down from last season where he finished the season really strong, but, you know, just something, something this season, he's unable to put it together, which is very strange. J.J. Barea hasn't got much run at all. I think he probably should be playing a little bit more, not, not necessarily as a rotation player, but I think there have been games that, that it would be very useful if he had gotten in. Um, Seth Curry, you know, his, his limitations are, are, you know, fairly known. He's a, he's a really good shooter, but streaky. He, uh, he, can, he can play make from very specific scenarios, very, uh, you know, rigid scenarios. You know, if you give him a side pick and roll, uh, running the second unit, he, he's going to be successful. You know, I'm sure his points per possession on those pick and rolls are very, very high. I believe he's leading the team in points per possession, but it's not replicable. You can't, you can't just throw him in any pick and roll at anywhere on the floor against any defense and expect him to succeed. So Dallas keeps him uh, to a limited, keeps him to a, uh, a limited role in, in that offense and, and when he does run point. And, and, and yeah, so, so I think all those things have come together and, and, you know, despite you know, playmaking and ball handling, ball handling being a supposed or a supposed strength of the team. And I think, you know, through a lot of the game, it is, you know, they do have a lot of players who they can give the ball to. Um, and I, I do think it contributes to this great offense. But so much is put on Luka, so much, uh, you know, the, the, the team certainly looks at Luka and expects him late in games. You know, everything does go through him, whereas they probably have a little bit more confidence, freedom, you know, just just uh just ability or, 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 you know, to, to try to do something, you know, in, in those first 43 minutes of a game that then they, then they do the last five when, you know, everybody knows it is Luke's show. So I'm sure that's, that's part of it. Um, but I think some of it is, yeah. Well, I, I just want to chime in here a little bit. Cause like all the ball handlers, secondary ball handlers you named, like look at the teams around the league and look at their secondary ball handlers. Dame has CJ, um, you know, Harden has Westbrook. You know, Oklahoma City has a, a trio of, you know, Shea, Chris Paul, and uh, Dennis Schroeder. Like, those are all guys that have a different, like, those, that's a different level of secondary ball handlers. Like, those are the levels that strike fear in you. You know, when Harden gets it to Russ and Russ is good, Russ, and Russ is attacking the rim, it puts so much pressure on that defense because then it's four on three and it's him going, you know, and, and, you know, like we're seeing the Lakers struggle with a secondary ball without a secondary ball handler that's really been productive. So I think that's the area where the Mavs, that's where their struggle is coming from. And that's not just in the last five minutes, but like for all the faults that those young those guys have, none of them are at that level. And I think that's where they that's a guy type of guy they need to get to the next level, you know, because we know Luca's a star. He's a number one. He's a 
future MVP, all that stuff down the road and all multiple all-stars, all that fun glory. But they need that second guy that can really help them to kind of carry over and, 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 and push through these sort of situations. And I just like those other guys, they just don't really scare you. You know, those are like the every now and then they're going to make a play. And you're like, oh, OK, great. You know, but it's they're not at that level for what the Mavs actually need going forward. So so would Kristaps Porzingis help? Obviously, he's not a playmaker. Um, oh, he's but not he is bad. someone who scares you. Like 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 just his addition to the final five in the final five minutes. Yeah. You know, that, that, that'd probably help. Right. Yeah. I mean, so just the threat of the shot on, on the perimeter helps, you know, another shooter. Right. That always creates space. Um, and he's not a bad passer from the wing. He can't do it from the post. I mean, he's awful. So don't give him the ball in the high post and expect him to, you know, you're not running split cuts off. of. Oh, oh trust me. Rick Carlisle is not doing that. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, that is <laughs> firmly established. I feel like you but, should suggest really, that in the next press conference. Yeah. But, but the truth is like his passing will help on the perimeter, but you really need another guy who can do it off the dribble. I mean, you know, this is kind of makes what Luca has been doing this season, even more amazing because he's gotten him to this to this place offensively on his own, right? Like, I mean, that's really, really good. But the issue is you've got this, you know, this low ceiling and crunch time because it's easy to game plan when you only have one guy that can do it. And so, you know, I think that their big goal, whether it's here at the deadline or this summer is to try to find a secondary, you know, creator, a, a guy that can play next to Luca who can do some stuff off the dribble. I mean, I, I will continue to, to bang the Fournier drum. Don't Google that, but I will continue to bang the Fournier drum. Uh, I think that he would work really, really well on this team. Again, he's a very, very good secondary creator and he can shoot. And I mean, that's the two things that, that would go really, really nicely next to Luca. It'd be like an amped up Tim Hardaway. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you're just thinking, oh, where would he fit on this team? Like he would be a a Hardaway, but yeah, you know, Hardaway scoring, but with more playmaking, you know, a little bit better, more consistent shooting. So, yeah. so if, if Mavs fans are kind of kind of thinking about where he would fit in, that that's exactly that's exactly where. And it's not like Hardaway, some you know, amazing defender. So it's it's not like you're losing that. It's not like you're downgrading there either. Yeah. So, so about Porzingis. Um, do you guys want the full timeline of this nine game map? Yes, that he's been on? I would like I have questions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need it. So his last game he played was December 29th. I guess didn't play well, but, you know, looked fine. Apparently, at some point during that game, he hyperextended his knee is is the word on the street. You know, I don't even I can't even remember the Mavs officially saying it was a hyperextension this entire time. They've been seeing knee soreness, but apparently it was tweaked. It somehow in that Lakers game. He didn't play on New Year's Eve on the 31st. He didn't play on the on the second. Um, I believe it was between the second and the fourth uh, games against Brooklyn and Charlotte that he got a uh, injection in his knee, a PCP injection. It's a it's a common procedure. Uh, my understanding is it just you know puts like good platelets in in your knee, and so it's supposed to aid recovery. But but when he got that injection, you know it was going to be a week until his knee felt about right. Um, so we, that, that kind of jumps us forward to January 10th, a home game against the Lakers that Dallas, Dallas loses by 15. 
Um, this is about when he might be ready to come back, except that he had got sick either, I think, a couple days before this. He got sick on, like, the January 8th or so. And I think it was, you know, just, like, flu-like symptoms. He, he skipped a couple practices because he wasn't feeling well. And so that, that carried over. Um, he didn't play on the 10th against the Lakers. He didn't play on the 11th against the Sixers. Um, you know, about when they would have expected him to be back from uh, that, that knee injection. But the idea was, oh, his sickness is kind of, you know, you know, pushing, you know, delaying this whole process. And then the idea was that he was going to play here in the Bay when, when he came out. You know, he was going to play one of these two back-to-backs. They, they weren't going to have him play both. So it made sense that you would sit him against the Warriors and you would play him against Sacramento. Sacramento is a tougher team. Um, it it's gives them one more day to recover. And, and just overall, it made, made sense. I, I do think, you know, from, from what it sounded like, if he had been planning to play against the Warriors, he would have. He went through a, a, a pretty stringent workout. He said, you know, about a 30-minute workout before the Warriors game. And he said he felt perfectly fine. But before the, before the Kings game, which, again, he was planning to play that game. The Mavericks were planning for him to play that game. Before the Kings game, he, uh, he was, was working out and his, he, he felt some pain. And a few things with, with his knee. And he told the training staff and they're like, yeah, let's, let's be care- careful with this. Let's be cautious. And we're, we're going to have you sit out again. So at this point, he is, I guess, game to game. If, if he's able to go through workouts without pain, he will play. Uh, this, this is in his non-ACL knee. So this is, this is a different knee. But obviously, Porzingis, ever since entering the league, has dealt with lower, uh, lower leg injuries and, and other ailments. And, and yeah, it's, it's pretty concerning at this point because Porzingis admitted last night that, you know, there is now no plan for him to play, you know, except, you know, it could be next game or, or it could be several weeks down the line because he just doesn't know. And he doesn't know exactly why his knee is, is flaring up with pain uh, in, in, you know, before games and, and stuff like this. So, so, yeah, at this point, I, I, you know, for all this time, you know, I, I guess I wasn't concerned up until now. And, and this is officially concerning. And it definitely goes back to the fact that even though his ACL injury wasn't concerning, his history, you know, it wasn't concerning in the sense that we know how ACL, you know, we know how players recover from ACLs. It was concerning because it's a, another setback in this player's history of lower leg injuries while being 7-3, which is pretty unprecedented. His body type is pretty unprecedented. I, I do think that you know, this is this is uh, you know a reminder that that this is not necessarily a player that you know his his health is still being something to be proven. If I can hold on, if I can uh, extinguish the the fires of concern just just a little bit. Guys on a long term deal, pretty young. They they know that this season isn't going to be their season. I think internally makes a lot of sense to just treat him with kids gloves. I mean, I like it really just. Especially like you said, he just had the ACL. I, I think that what we're seeing is, is that they're just being extra cautious. Maybe too cautious, but you know, I'd rather err on the side of caution than bring a guy back who's not quite ready. I mean, we saw like Clay Thompson had the hamstring thing, hamstring connected to the you know knee bone, and then next thing you know, he blows out his ACL. Maybe not exactly like that, but I do think that you're going to see teams. And and the Mavericks are a forward-thinking team, thinking ahead like this, and just saying, you know, it's not worth it. It's the middle of January; he can sit out. He'll be back, ready to go for the playoffs. You know, like well before that, hopefully. Uh, so 
better to be safe than sorry. Okay, now let me pour some gasoline on that flame that Dave tried to extinguish. Um, we've got we've got the devil on the shoulder and, and the angel. That's how it always works, and I am always the angel. Always. Oh my god, I that's the biggest load of poop I've ever heard in my life. But always Mister Positive uh, when talking about every team. Okay, we're just going to ignore that completely. <laughs> Sasha, you can go ahead and edit that part out because that was just a blatant lie. From uh, if, if anybody's an angel here, it's obviously me. Oh yeah, sure. Oh god, god, I, I like. Where's the eject button? Um, <laughs> no, no. First off, I kind of spaced out in that long history. Uh, did they do an MRI? <laughs> I don't believe so. See, this is this is the stuff that it hasn't been reported. This is the thing that scares me. Is they constantly every time I feel like I see a report somewhere where this guy's missing games because he has a sore knee. It's followed up by something bad down the road. And if they haven't done an MRI, I honestly think they need to do one like right now. Cause this is kind of it's not the same. And and Mavs fans, you're gonna panic for a second, but just just hold on. We we don't know. I'm definitely not a doctor. But like for the first few not days. Sure. Thanks, Tim. Uh for the first few days, the Zion Williamson thing was just a sore knee. And then it comes out, it's an MCL. Like this is something that's like, and, and very similar into exactly the way you described him warming up in Sacramento and then saying, yo, there's something up with my knee. Zion finished a, a preseason game against San Antonio, kind of just said, hey, if something feels funny with my knee, you know, they, they try to figure some stuff out, then they get an MRI and boom, he has an MCL. I, I think that's something that can definitely happen. Now, even though it's not his, the same leg as the, the ACL, you know, these things carry over in the sense of you're overcompensating, you know, for your leg. The healthy leg is overcompensating for what's going on with your other leg. So I think that becomes an issue and that compens- that kind of situation sort of makes it worse and, and, and can hurt. So, you know, I I honestly think they need to be running to the nearest MRI machine and, 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 and sticking his leg in there and turning that thing on. And let's see what's going on in there, because that's the first way to kind of really evaluate what the story is they're doing a bunch of other things and you got to start figuring this out and it granted you have a long time with them long-term contract all that stuff but you need to know what's going on because that affects everything moves you you might make at this trade deadline to hey let's go for it right now we know porzingis is going to be coming back you know let's just make a move right now like this this has an effect across those boards and all those decisions you might make so they need to be on top of that and to me, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't done an MRI yet on Porzingis. And back, but back to my point, though, if you're if you're making decisions this season based on whether Porzingis is healthy right now, like you're going to try to go for that's a mistake. They should not be doing that. I don't think they will do that. Luka Doncic is 20 years old. How old is Kristaps? 24. Right. Um, <laughs> you're not in win now mode, right? Like you're in year one, really. Of this thing. And, and remember, you know, at the start of the year, we talked about having to throw out this season to a certain degree for Porzingis because it's his first year back from an ACL tear. And we know that those seasons are kind of not not a waste, but you don't really know who the player is until year two. So, you know, to, to say, well, you know, we need to we need to know what we're doing and whether we're going to take a swing or not. I actually think you need to just do what you would do, assuming health. Because they should be thinking longer term. But it doesn't work that way, though, Dave. It's, here's the thing. 
you only get so many swings at the bat. And now it's even shorter, right? Like we've seen guys who um, demand out or whatnot or, or all sorts of things, right? You know, we, we don't know. You don't know what the next few years is going to look like in the NBA. So, you know, when you have a chance to, if you feel like you have a chance to win, and I, listen, I agree, I agree with you in the sense of, I don't think they have a chance to win the championship this year. But if they feel like they have a chance to win the championship, or if they make this move, this puts them in that upper tier, then they might make it that, then they might take that swing and go after it. You know, because you just don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. You can't just go, well, he's young. It's going to, they're, they're going to have these opportunities in the future. We're betting on that. There's no guarantees to any of that. So that's the risk when you say that. Sometimes you just got to go all in when there is the opportunity. And I think the other aspect too that you have to kind of look at is we going into the season. I mean, I didn't think Dallas was a playoff team. I thought they'd contend. I thought they'd be close to the you know fight for the eight seed maybe. This year they've jumped you know on a, on a whole other level. So it's a different story now. And and as unfair as it is, the goalpost has moved a little bit. Now, it hasn't moved all the way to the goal line, but it's moved to the point where it's like, okay, they're definitely a playoff team. Where are they going to fall on that run? And I think that's something that you have to keep an eye on. And that's why finding out his health situation and what it's going to do for them towards the trade market matters. And that's, that's the most important thing. For me, it's all about just find someone who fits long term, and and that you know that that helps you this season, that helps you down the road because because you're you know the, the two co stars are young. So, um, but I think that's going to be it. Dave, thank you. Mo, thank you as well. This has been seventy seven minutes in heaven. Uh, catch you next time.